0: in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One of the unique things which Boston Red Sox fans have is Neil Diamond's song, Sweet Caroline. There is some question as to whether he wrote it thinking about his then wife, or the young daughter of John and Jackie Kennedy, In any case, for Red Sox fans, it's theirs. It's now a ritual that at home games at the end of the seventh inning, the crowd bursts into singing that song. It's a mark of who they are. 2,000 years ago, there was a preacher named John the Baptizer who had a considerable following. A special mark of belonging to that group was reciting a particular prayer, a prayer which was theirs. One of the followers of the itinerant teacher from Nazareth named Yeshua, or Jesus as we more commonly know him, whether out of sheer admiration, or even envy, came to his leader with the request we just heard in today's Gospel. Please teach us a prayer the way John's disciples have theirs. The result was the prayer which ever since has been a mark of being a Christian, the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus didn't just give his followers a prayer and leave it at that. He immediately launched into a teaching, a teaching about prayer, which might quite fairly be summed up in two words, do it. That seems simple enough. And I doubt if anyone here this morning would be surprised by a priest preaching that prayer is a good thing, something we should all do. Even more, it's something God wants us to do. We know that prayer has been an important feature of the Judeo-Christian experience of religion for several thousand years, but What is prayer? The Catechism says, prayer is responding to God by thought and by deeds. And then echoing an often quoted saying of St. Francis of Assisi, it adds, with or without words. Notice the Catechism says that prayer is responding to God and doing so not only by thoughts, whether expressed through words or not, but also by actions. If you know somebody who's lonely or depressed and you reach out even by just a phone call, that's prayer. If you volunteer at a food bank or give financial support to help feed the hungry, that's prayer. There can be all sorts of difficulties with prayer. It's certainly true that God does want us to pray and we want to do so as well. But praying, really praying, isn't always easy. It's not something we do automatically. If you're tired or under stress, have you ever found it hard to concentrate on your prayer while your mind keeps wandering off in other directions? or in church, at mass, perhaps reading the, repeating the Lord's Prayer without any thought at all about what you're saying? Through the years, a traditional role for Anglican clergy has been the recitation of the offices of daily morning and evening prayer, with their focus not just on the immediate personal concerns of the individual cleric, but extending to include the entire church and beyond to all of God's creation. It's an obligation which most of us embrace joyfully as a wonderful part of ministry. It's also something many lay people do as an expression of the priesthood of all believers. But like individual prayer, it too isn't always easy. I think of a priest who was a counselor on the staff of the mental health center where I was the director. His wife had suffered through a long and pain-filled battle with cancer before dying. As a priest, for years, he had always faithfully prayed the daily offices of morning and evening prayer. But after her death, he told me he found it hard to keep his place in the book. And one day, in grief and frustration, he hurled his prayer book against the wall, collapsed in tears, and stopped even trying to pray the office at all. When he shared that experience with the wise priest who was his spiritual director, he was told, Father, for years you have prayed the offices not only for yourself but for others. Now, sit back and let them pray for you. Someday you'll be ready to take up your part again. And that's what eventually happened. He did resume his priestly function of praying the daily office, but knowing that he was praying not only for himself, but on behalf of others. Still, if it's true that God wants us to pray, Have you ever wondered why that might be so? After all, if God is omniscient, that is, if God knows all things, it's clear that prayer is not a way for us to inform God about things God didn't know. God is quite aware that Aunt Edith is seriously sick in the ICU and that you're praying for her recovery or that the marriage of your close friends is going through a rough patch and you are asking for divine help for them as they struggle. When Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, it wasn't to remind an absent-minded or distracted God that we need food. God knows that better than we do. So why pray? Let me ask you, why would you want or even need to say, I love you, to someone dear to you? Is it really to inform that person of your feelings because he or she didn't know? Is it, as the television channels are apt to play or forth, breaking news? No, it's because we humans need to express our caring about things which are important to us It's the way God designed us. In one way or another, our yearning for connection with God, as well as with other people, is answered by God's gift to us, the practice of prayer. But that gift, while wonderful, comes with a note saying, some assembly required. That's where we come in whoever we are, wherever we are. So thank you God for prayer. Amen.